Good Morning Podcast. Today, on this Friday, we are going to take a look at pate. Specifically, we're going to look at country pate and how to make it at home. Now, before you run away from this episode because you're convinced that you hate pate, at least let me explain what I'm talking about. So first of all, and most importantly, let's clear up exactly what pate is. The easiest way to think about it is it's kind of a fancy meatloaf. Really, it's fancy only in perception. Now, there are different kinds of pate. Some are smooth like butter, some are smooth but firm, and some, like the country pate we're going to talk about today, are more coarse in texture. There are some pates that are loaded with expensive ingredients like truffles or foie gras, so there are some that are fancy. But at the heart of it, pate is really just a cheap and easy way to use up scraps of meat. And that brings me to what we're talking about today. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. And this is Country Pate, your guide to fancy meatloaf. Okay, you may have a few questions, so let me put those to bed before we go too far into this. So first and foremost, are all pates made of liver? So another misconception about pate is that it is always made from liver. There are liver pates, and the one I'm talking about today does have a little bit of liver in it, but it doesn't have to. It is by no means made exclusively of liver. Our pate is mostly ground pork with a little bit of liver for flavor and texture. Other than that, there are some herbs and spices, onions, garlic, egg, and a bit of flour. That's it. Nothing scary or fancy. Why make pate at home? Okay, now that you hopefully have a bit of a better understanding of what pate is, you may be wondering why you should make it at home. Well, the simple answer is that it's delicious. Really, a well-made pate is a very special thing. It's great for a light breakfast or lunch with pickled eggs, gherkins, crackers, mustard, a bit of cheese and grapes or apples. It's uh, terrific to start a dinner party, take to a potluck, or just serve with cocktails if you have guests coming over. It also freeze really well, uh, so you can make a batch like the one I'm going to describe below, slice it and freeze it, then just pull it out in pieces when you want them. This is why you should make it at home. It's also really good for like hunting or picnics, anything like that. But don't you need special equipment? So do you need special equipment? No. To be fair, I have a meat grinder that I use, and though I didn't use it for this pate, I also have a small terrine or pate dish. However, if you buy pre-ground pork, of course, if you can get it, the rest can be done by hand or in a food processor. As for baking, that can be done in any kind of loaf pan. I actually used a bread pan to make my pate. And finally, isn't it difficult? Is it difficult to make pate? Well, it takes about the same level of skill to make meatballs or meatloaf. So if you can do that, you can do this. I will say that smooth pates are more involved and do require more skill, but that's not what this is. Okay, let's take a look at our country pate. Pork. Our country pate starts with pork. I'm using pork shoulder, which was recently on sale at the grocery store. You may see it labeled as picnic roast. Pork shoulder is what is generally used to make sausages and pate because it has the perfect ratio of fat to meat. Fat is important in these types of things because without it, the final product has a gritty, dry texture, which is not enjoyable at all. If you're using pre-ground pork, do not buy lean. Go for a medium or regular grind if you can. 
Uh, all told, we want about two pounds of, of ground pork. Meat grinder. If you're using a meat grinder, hopefully it's better than the KitchenAid that I have. Cut the meat into strips and put it in the freezer for about 30 minutes. It shouldn't be frozen through, but very cold and slightly firm. This will make the grinding easier on your grinder and most importantly will keep the meat cold through the grinding process. It is also generally recommended that you set the bowl the meat is being ground into over a bowl of ice to make sure it stays cold. However, because I generally grind such small amounts of meat, I don't find that this step is that crucial. Usually, after grinding, I'll pop the meat back in the fridge uh, for 20 minutes or so to let it cool back down. If you're doing large batches, definitely grind into a bowl set over ice. Not only does this keep the meat out of the temperature danger zone, which is 4 to 40 degrees Celsius or 40 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, but it also allows for a better mixture, keeping the fat bound to the protein so you don't get a lot of fat separation when cooking. Uh, and by temperature danger zone, that's just um, outside of those temperatures that I mentioned. So again, it's 4 to 60, excuse me, degrees Celsius. I said 40, but it's actually 60. Uh, and 40 degrees Fahrenheit to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, inside those temperatures is known as the danger zone because that's th those are the temperatures that bacteria is most likely to grow in. It's like the perfect temperature for bacteria to grow in. Seasoning the meat. A good pate is a well-seasoned one. It is important to remember that pate is served cold. What that means is that you have to use more salt than you would if you were serving it hot. The reason for this is because of the way your taste buds interact with salt when they're cold and because the fat, the cold fat from the pate, will coat your tongue. For the two pounds of pork we're using, we will be using two tablespoons of coarse kosher salt. I know it seems like a lot, but it's there for a reason. It is important to use either kosher or sea salt for this. Do not use table salt and make sure that the salt is coarse, not finely ground. Along with the salt, there have to be some other flavors in the mix. For this, I used two tablespoons of chopped fresh thyme, two teaspoons of dried sage, two to three cloves of minced garlic, half a medium white onion, minced or pureed, uh, one teaspoon black pepper, four ounces of pork or chicken liver, and one teaspoon pate spice. And you can leave the liver out of this if you want. You definitely can. Um, I should say that I put the liver, onions, and garlic right through the meat grinder. If you don't have a meat grinder, why would you? These items can be pulsed in a food processor or cut as small as possible by hand. I will tell you that hand chopping the liver can be a messy affair. And I mentioned pate spice. Um, there's, uh, I used one teaspoon in the mixture. Uh, and the recipe for the pate spice itself is one teaspoon each ground clove, ground nutmeg, ground ginger, ground coriander, two teaspoons ground cinnamon, and one tablespoon ground white pepper. Now that recipe is taken from the book Charcuterie by Michael Rollman and Brian Paulson. And in fact, the pate recipe that I'm giving you is adapted from their version in the book. And I'll put a link in the description of the, of the episode because it makes a really great gift for any foodies on your Christmas list. Or if you like doing this kind of thing, uh, you should definitely check out that book. Now, in a separate bowl from the meat, we mix together two eggs, two tablespoons of all-purpose flour, gluten-free for me, two tablespoons brandy or port, and half a cup of whipping cream. This all gets whisked together, then mixed into the meat and spices. Beat the meat. 
So at this point, all of the ingredients for the country pate are mixed together, but there's one very important step that has to be completed before the mixture can be put in the dish and baked. The meat has to be beaten. This doesn't take long and it can be done in a bowl of a mixer with a wooden spoon or by hand. The idea is that you want to vigorously beat the meat until it gets a tacky texture and appearance. This will help bind the pate together and yield, some, uh, yield one solid, well-structured mass. I did this with a wooden spoon in about two minutes. Baking the country pate. To bake the pate, first line a loaf pan, just a regular bread pan with plastic wrap. I know this seems odd because it's going in the oven, but it's on a low enough temperature that it'll be fine. Now put the mixture in the lined loaf pan, patting it down as you go to fill any voids. Do your best to make sure that there are no air pockets or anything like that. Cover the top of the pate with plastic wrap and then tin foil. Firmly, wrap, or firmly tap the loaf pan on your counter a few times to settle the meat mixture. Water bath. In order to ensure that the pate cooks evenly and that the sides don't brown, we need to cook it in a water bath. This is easy enough. Put a damp towel in the middle of a high-sided roasting pan and put the loaf pan on top of the towel in the roasting pan. The towel will prevent the loaf pan from sliding around when moving uh, the roasting pan from the oven. Pour enough water, hot water, into the roasting pan to come halfway up the loaf pan. Put the roasting pan in the oven and bake the pate on 300 degrees Fahrenheit until the thermometer inserted into the center reaches 160 degrees Fahrenheit. In my oven, which may not be working right, it took about two hours. This may take slightly less in your oven, um, and it is so vitally important not to overcook this or it will become gritty and dry. So I would check it after an hour 20, hour and a half, and then just keep going from there. Once it's cooked. So once the country pate is cooked, leave it covered, remove it from the water bath, and place it on a cooling rack. Cool at room temperature for about an hour before putting it in the fridge. You never want to cut into a pate right away. The flavors take time to develop. So at the very least, leave it until the next day. But ideally, leave it for two to three days before you cut into it. Waiting. One final step that is very important is to weight the pate. To do this, simply put another loaf pan on top of the pate um, and fill it with cans of soup or cans of beans, anything kind of heavy, and leave this weight on the pate overnight in the fridge. The idea is that the weight is going to help compress the pate, giving it a consistent texture. Now, as a side note, if you see the pictures of my pate, which I'll post on the uh, Food and Five Facebook group, I wasn't expecting my pate to take as long as it did. I actually ran out of time and had to get my wife to take it out of the oven, cool it, and put it in the fridge, but I forgot to ask her to wait it. So by the time I got home, it was already cool. So mine isn't the exact density I would prefer, but it is still very, very delicious. Done. Okay, it's been three days since you cooked your pate and put it in the fridge. Now it's time to unmold and eat it. All you have to do is take the foil and plastic off the top, Carefully lift the pate out of the loaf pan and wipe away any exterior fat and gelatin. Then slice it up and serve it with crackers, mustard, and pickles. Now, as I said in the intro, this freezes really well. It's best to cut it into portions and vacuum seal it if you have a vacuum sealer. But you can also just portion it and then wrap it really tightly in plastic wrap and then put it in freezer bags and that'll do the trick too. Conclusion. So there are two things that I hope you take away from this. First of all, 
Country pate isn't this scary or fancy thing. It is pretty much just a meatloaf that you eat cold. Secondly, pate isn't hard to make. Again, it is just a meatloaf that you eat cold. I hope that you've enjoyed this post as much as I have. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening, everybody. Um, And yeah, I'll I'll send a link to the whole post in the Food in 5 Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash food in 5. And the recipe will be there and everything. Uh, And I will share a link to the charcuterie cookbook in the description to the podcast. Thanks again, as always, for listening. I hope that you have a fantastic Friday and a fantastic weekend, and I'll be back on Monday with another great episode of Food in 5. Have a good one, everybody.